Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks, and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking... But I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by my marathoning co-host, Danny Kelly, who has just been giving out draft grades nonstop for the last, I don't even know, 72 hours. this morning, so we're on like 10 hours here. The draft is over, mercifully. (laughs) Who had the best draft? What team? This one's tough. So uh, there's a couple contenders, and I think... One of them that is is fascinating to me because I really did not think that I was going to end up liking this team's draft this weekend because, I mean, let's let's face it, like it's a bunch of football guys, but the the Detroit Lions had a really good draft, I think, because wow, well, first of all, it was the most on brand draft I could possibly imagine. You know, we spent the last few months talking about Dan Campbell eating. You know, are eating hunks out of people. What is it? Taking hunks out of people, eating kneecaps, taking out, taking biting. bites out of kneecaps, biting, biting hunks out of their opponent, taking hunks out of guys. Um, I don't know if anyways. he said eating. I don't know if he said they would bite and chew and swallow. <laughs> are they consuming that part. these hunks? Okay. Regardless, it was just the most on-brand draft I could imagine. They got Penny Sewell in the first round, pick seven overall. Uh, they turn around. They got Levi Onwuzrike from Washington, who I think is a very tough physical. Um, you know, like aggressive defensive tackle. He came out afterwards and, and had like this classic quote that that was circulating basically about how he just he likes to make offensive linemen feel like shit. Um, Did I'll, he say I'll, I'm I like fucking people up? Isn't that what he said? <laughs> yeah. So he's great. <laughs> they turned around and they took a second straight defensive tackle, Lee McNeil from NC State, who's a, a freak athlete at defensive tackle in the third round. Um, they grabbed. Ifyatu Melifanwu in the third round also. And he's he's sort of, I would say he fits the mold quite the same, but he has really good size, really good length. And then Amon Ra, St. Brown in the fourth, Derek Barnes from Purdue in the fourth. St. Brown to me is like a physical, He put, he's like a bully in the red zone. He's, you know, he's literally the son of Mr. Universe, like a, a Mr. Universe from the 1980s. Yeah, they're like the LeVar Ball family of the NFL is the St. Brown family. <laughs> didn't he, didn't right. Amon Ross St. Brown write the letter to get the gov- Governor Newsom, the governor of California, saying, like, please let the Pac-12 play football? <laughs> oh, he might have. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't remember hearing that, but, um, I mean, it sounds right. 
regardless, like if you look at just the overall character of their draft, it's a kneecap, it's bite a kneecap, take take a hunk <laughs> out of a dude type draft. I think it lays the foundation for what they're trying to do. Um, I think it was actually probably the right move for them to not. I, I'm going to get on some teams for not taking Justin Fields. I think it might have been actually the right move for them to like set the foundation, start to build a, a better roster and get themselves in a position to take a quarterback before they throw a guy like him out into the wolves. I think I, it just it, to me, like I can get behind their decision making, especially the fact they took Sewell, who is a elite offensive tackle. Um, so I don't know. I just love I love their draft. I think it's really good. Even their final pick, Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State's kind of an interesting pick. So the Lions did great. So you can see all of DK's drafts, grades, everything, everything on every player you're, you're really interested in. NFLdraft.theringer.com. Check those out. You can see the grades and you can, well, it's a yell at them, but you're not going to yell because they're all right. What other teams do you think did really well? So I'm going to talk about the Jaguars because oh. and, and let's bring Isaiah. Let's bring Isaiah in here, too, because yeah, he, he was Isaiah. a little surprised. He was surprised I had them here. And I think if you look around. This definitely isn't the consensus. I might get some pushback on this, but um, I don't know. I look at the Jaguars draft. I really like it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is a huge, huge anchor and, and carries a lot of weight with that. But Isaiah, why why should I not like their draft? Yeah, Isaiah, you're a Jags fan. Yes. I just felt like after the Lawrence pick, obviously that's a great pick, but like ETN's not a need. Like I just right, I felt like they right. made picks like ETN. I didn't think after picking CJ Henderson last year top of the second round, you go corner, especially after you sign Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin. I, I felt like, and Walker Little hasn't played football in like two years. It's just <laughs> right. like Andre Cisco tore his ACL last year. It's like, there's so many question marks. I felt like in every pick, either a question mark or it doesn't fill a direct need when they have mm. plenty of needs on that defense. They find a way to pick the guys that aren't massive needs. I felt like, and that's my problem. Like Tyson Campbell could be good. He also could be playing the slot this year. And it's like they, they need yeah. a D line. They need they need help in the linebacking core. Like they just have other needs that are bigger than what they got there. Wait, you said that Urban Meyer said ETN might be the third down back? Yeah. Oh, that's like the first dude, down that running is just the first rounder? It's just coach speak. It's coach speak. He's not gonna okay. be like that. So here here's <laughs> my not. here's my here would be my rebuttal. I think that's all very valid and it's true. Like this is a Trent Balky draft. Like they had a couple guys who were like injured, you know, like whatever. To me, this is a upside draft for a lot of these guys. ETN has the upside to be an elite running back. I don't love the value, and I don't like they don't have that need, obviously, especially a year after they got such elite production from an undrafted free agent running back. However, he brings a speed element that very few backs have, so I think I can at least talk myself into it because of what he can do in the passing game. I think Tyson Campbell has elite potential. I think Walker Little could end up being this is a big it's sort of a, a big swing because he like you said he hasn't played he opted out of 2020 he only played one game in 2019 so he literally hasn't played since like like significant snaps since 2018 however he was a five-star recruit he's big he's athletic um and if you go on the tape there he definitely like has a few rough outings i think he played like against Notre Dame he just didn't look very good but like Overall, I think the upside is there. Everything we heard about in the in the pre-draft process was he came in like really good shape and like looked really good and all the workouts and all that stuff. So I think it's a it's a swing for the fences, but the, he could be an elite right tackle, I think, for them. Um, Cisco, yeah, I get the he, he's coming off an injury. But again, he is one of these guys that flies around, makes plays, super energetic. Um, 
has ball skills, all that stuff. Jay Tufele from USC. I think he was supposed to be like a second or third rounder. He fell to all the way to pick 106. I think that was a good, good value. Um, and then they got a few guys later in the rounds, like Jordan Smith. I do, edge rusher. I do think He's they interesting. got a good value late. I think like, yeah, Tufele, like you said, Jordan Smith, I think uh, could end up being a good pick. That's another upside guy. Luke Farrell's an atrocious pick, and I can't be convinced otherwise. A 29-year-old <laughs> tight end with Brevin Jordan on the board. He's not, he's not 29. I, I can't he's not 29. It. So this this was actually something that was going around. He's he's only twenty three. There's another guy I think oh, a baseball Jesus prospect who's twenty nine. I was scared. Yeah, he's really he's, he's not twenty nine. <laughs> I thought he was twenty nine. Uh, then they also got they got Jalen Camp from Georgia Tech, who I think is very fascinating. He's like uber athletic guy. Yeah, he's a freak. Um, and then they also got a few undrafted free agents that are really interesting. Like uh, no, I'm, no, I'm no, totally no, they're not. None of the undrafted free agents are interesting. Dylan Moses, I said, shut your trap. He, they are. <laughs> no, I'm just. But like, look, bottom line, we have to include Trevor Lawrence in this draft class, right? Like they got the best quarterback <laughs> prospect in like 10 years. Does that not count for anything? <laughs> I did that part right. I like how I'm I'm trying to like convince yeah, you're a, defending a it, the fan. Like... It's the exact opposite. Everyone's like, why'd you get my is team ridiculous. a B plus? It's an A plus. And this is like, I've never even heard of this. Like the fans are harder on it than the analysts. Okay. So it's completely ridiculous. All right, thank you're you, right. Isaiah. So. I, I actually I can't remember that happening ever. Um, so let's get we're going to give out a couple uh, awards here for draft night. So the Lions get best draft Jags. Apparently the Jags fans disagree. We're going to we're also going to give here the the let's try this again award. And we're going to mm. give that one to the New York Jets <laughs> because I believe they're yeah. like the first team in 40 or 50 years to use two top three picks on a quarterback in like the, in the same four year span. <laughs> so Clean slate. Yeah. DK, what do you think? How do you think this one went for the Jets? Because obviously they approached this differently than Sam Darnold. So they took Zach Wilson second. How do, how do you think the rest of this class yeah. panned out for them? So they would actually be on my short list of, uh, of other teams that I think actually knocked it out of park in terms of their overall draft. Um, Zach Wilson pick, I think, is a solid pick. He wasn't my top ranked uh, quarterback at that spot. I would have preferred Justin Fields. But, you know, we've talked this ad nauseum. We don't have to talk about it anymore. He's their pick. Um and I think he 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 raises number one. He raises the floor for them. I think he absolutely raises the ceiling to elite levels if he really pans out and fits perfectly in this offense that they're bringing in. I think going and getting Elijah Vera Tucker, I didn't love the value of trading two third rounders to go up and get him, but I think putting him in that offensive line next to uh, Makai Becton or, or wherever he ends up on the offensive line, I think is great because um, honestly, getting Zach Wilson an offensive line that's going to protect him, give him passing lanes is so crucial. So that is like... The process um, I could pick nits with, but at the same time, I think it's absolutely crucial that they have a good offensive line. So that that well, makes total sense to me. You mentioned the pass protection. Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, has taken two first round offensive linemen in the last two years. Yeah. That is the same amount of offensive linemen the Jets drafted in the first round in the rest of the 21st century combined. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the perfect point because, yeah, it just makes so much sense. So I love that. And then I love Elijah Moore. They they picked in the second round. He was one of my favorite receivers coming in here. I think he's he's um, a big time playmaker for them. He's he's a little bit like small stature wise, but he, he plays big. He's physical. He can run after the catch. He has great hands, all that stuff. Uh, they didn't reach on a corner uh, on a running back and ended up picking Michael Carter out of North Carolina in the fourth round. I thought that was an excellent value. Then they took a different Michael a, Carter in the fifth. Round. They have two Michael Carters in this draft, which is so, hilarious. Uh, Robert Sala, the Jets coach, said that they took Michael Carter, the the running back in the fourth round, 
And then ESPN started playing the B-roll footage of Michael Carter, the safety from Duke. The wrong and one. The oh Jets God. draft room looked around like, holy shit, did we hit in the wrong card? Like, did we hit put the wrong name on the thing? And, they, and then a round later, they drafted Michael Carter anyway. Again. That is funny. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened where a team has drafted two guys with the same name. Um, the the Packers have, a, have an Amari Rodgers and an Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that too. A Rodgers. The other one's Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, went, uh, what was it, seventh in the 2018 draft. And then a different Josh Allen also went oh, seventh yeah. in the 2019 draft. That will probably never happen again. There's a Lamar Jackson who's a cornerback also. <laughs> Dude, if, um, oh, we do the fantasy show. I did a fantasy baseball. I once traded Jose A. Reyes, who was like a Mets single-A prospect, straight <laughs> up for like asshole. Jimmy Rollins in 2006. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> so for the Jets' offense, uh, again, I just want to linger here. For yeah. Adam Gase, the Jets ranked dead last in total yards in back-to-back seasons. They ranked dead last in yards per play in back-to-back seasons. They were the first team in 40 years to do that. Are you optimistic about this Jets (laughs) offense and this Jets team being good? Yes, I am. And I'm becoming more and more optimistic because, like, honestly, earlier in the process, before free agency, all this stuff, I'm looking at the Jets and they're, and, and all indications are they're going to take uh, Zach Wilson. And I'm like, this is not a great landing spot for him. Like, I'm a little bit worried about him. The Jets history, obviously, is a big factor. But also just, I mean, you said it. They've been a, a really bad team that with a really bad roster for a long time. But they went out and got Corey Davis. Um, Denzel Mims is coming back in his second season. I still am very bullish on what he could do in the NFL. Um, you know, their offensive line is growing and getting better. They obviously added to it. Um, and then, you know, Maybe we can get back on the Herndon trade, but I think train, but I think also just overall um, bringing in a new system, bringing in the Shanahan style scheme. We don't know exactly what's going to look like with with Lafleur, but um, I think overall I'm bullish. I'm excited what this is going to do. I don't think they're going to be like lighting the world on fire in year one or whatever, but I'm pretty confident they're not going to be like the worst offense in the NFL again. And so that's definitely you know, a big <laughs> well, improvement. If, if they and, are and they get four first round, if they use their first four picks and they're still the worst offense in the NFL, maybe we're too mean about Adam Gase. All right. So yeah, the Jets get the let's try this again award, but we're all, we're going to give another let's try this again, again award to the Chicago Bears. Because <laughs> now you've got Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy who are the same. Uh, well, Ryan Pace, the same GM that traded up for Trubisky. So, this time now they're doing it again. They're running it back. They traded up yep. for Justin Fields. There's two conversations here. There's one about how the Bears are going to do. There's also about this front office and, and trust in it. But I, I want to stick to the, the the Bears for this <laughs> season again. How do you feel about how the Bears did for this draft to turn around yeah. this team? So most of the time, and I, I'm sure you've heard me say this, but I definitely subscribe to the the volume drafting style. Like, don't have overconfidence in who you're going to pick and trade back accumulate more picks, make more picks, all that stuff. Like generally speaking, I very much subscribe to that. The draft is dart throwing. You want a lot of darts. Right. However, in this case, I'm a big fan of what they did because I have overconfidence in myself, I guess, because I really like Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. And they trade. <laughs> well, they everyone trade else is Justin overconfident, Fields. but you're just right. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, no, but I think it, in this case, though, it makes a lot of sense for them to target these specific players, especially Justin Fields. Um, go up and get him. Put him into your offense. They they did all the song and dance about how, oh, yeah, Andy Dalton is still a starter, but like, whatever, we'll see. I, I don't think that's going to last very long. Um, and then obviously, just like what the Jets have done, you got to surround him with some talent. I was like I told you on the Friday show or the Thursday show, I should say, 
I was not super excited to see Justin Fields land in Chicago. I mean, like in, when it comes to landing spots, that was not the most enticing to me. However, what they've done, they go and add Tevin Jenkins, who I had as a first round talent. Um, you know, they traded up for him, so they had to give up some stuff. But I think that's a smart move. It improves their offensive line. It gives Justin Fields a very important piece. I think, you know, and then they had they added a few interesting guys later in the draft. Like I'd like Khalil Herbert, the running back. He'll be a backup running back there, like depth guy. Daz Newsom is interesting from North Carolina. Um, you know, the rest of their draft didn't like blow me away, but I think just getting Fields and Jenkins, who I had both as elite first round talents, um, Jenkins more in the back end, but Fields like was literally my number two guy. So I'm very excited about what they can do. Um, getting him in there with Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, like if they're going to be running some of the, th- some of the schemes like we've seen in Kansas city, obviously Nagy comes from Kansas city. He has not been able to run the offense. He wants to run with the quarterbacks they have <laughs> in Chicago. Um, I'm hoping that he can kind of get things going. It might, it might not be like a, a immediate thing where fields looks awesome right away, but I just think overall, like he, he elevates that offense so much and gives them the potential to be really good down the line. So the Bears, when they did the Trubisky trade, they traded two-thirds and a fourth to move up one spot. They traded, three years later, they traded a fourth for Nick Foles. Now they traded a first, a fourth, and a fifth for Fields to just to move up. That is nine <laughs> draft picks they've used on quarterbacks in the last four years. So they better get this right, basically. And on that note, yeah, half the fun of the draft is looking back at past drafts and being like, oh, how'd they do this? What is the most fun version of this has been like the Bears? Wow, the Bears took Trubisky over Mahomes. What is the version of that for this year? Like, what, what, who is the team at most at risk of we look back at and like, why the hell did you not take this quarterback? Right. So I think it's going to be the Broncos passing up on Justin Fields. And, and again, I've always, I've already given you my Justin Fields spiel. Love the guy. I think he's going to be a really good Justin pro. Justin Spiels. My Justin, my Justin Spiels. Uh, that's hard to say. Um, but yeah, no, I think like you look at the Broncos draft and I like a lot of the players they took. Like, honestly, I think they did a great job at the draft. However, at the end of the day, they're trying to keep pace with the Chiefs. They're trying to beat the Chiefs. They're trying to yep. dethrone the Chiefs. Yep. And and you pass over a quarterback to take a corner when you have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater on your roster. Yeah. Like, to me, that is the most obvious version of like we're going to look back on this not even maybe in two years maybe in like a year and just be like what the fuck were they thinking now i'm going to say this i'm going to say this before we get into it if they end up getting aaron Rodgers, which is like sort of this other whole wrinkle (laughs) then i'll take it back (laughs) but right now i'm just saying like man this could be a decision they look back on and be like we really messed that up so let's get to the rogers thing in a second but the most generous thing i'll say for the uh for the, the broncos they're both blue, dark blue and orange, so I also confuse them in my head sometimes. But like <laughs> the the most generous thing you can say for what the Broncos did is that Drew Locke, maybe they still believe in him. And he had a shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder last year. And that would try to excuse why he was, you know, statistically like yeah. one of the absolute worst quarterbacks in football last year. Like just, <laughs> just absolutely. Awful. I right. think it was dead last in completion percentage and all the other adva- normal stats, advanced stats. None of them are kind. He was awful. But maybe he, you know, he's healthy another year in the offense, blah, you know, all that stuff. Bridgewater's competent, but it's hard to it's hard to justify. I mean, basically, if Fields is bad, then they're right. And if Fields is good, then they're screwed. With that said, the Rodgers thing, I mean, it's funny because on one hand, I feel like Aaron Rodgers kind of dominated the whole draft, even though nothing happened. And he just <laughs> yeah. seemed like pretty yeah. toasted at the at Kentucky Derby. 
but I, I don't think he gets traded. To be honest with you, I'm curious if you disagree. My read in the situation is like, I feel like they're going to dig in and I feel like he shows up. That's my gut feeling right now. I know all the reports we're hearing are like, he says he won't go back. He says he won't go back. I kind of need to see it, honestly. I, like, apparently he wants Brian Gutekunst, the, the GM fired. I feel like he plays. It just seems unfathomable to me that, like, he will just, like, not go. Yeah. I don't know, you know, look, I'm not a, psycho- I'm not a psychologist. I don't know Aaron Rodgers. But the guy doesn't talk to his family. You think he's going to all of a sudden <laughs> just, like, go it's and true. like make up with this front office and of people he doesn't fucking know <laughs> or like so true. he's not related to by blood. He knows him obviously, but it sounds like he hates everybody in that front office. The exact report was he hates everyone in the front office for a variety of reasons. <laughs> right. Not just the contract. Yeah. He just hates them personally. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's like, so Charles Robinson from Yahoo had a, a, a report this today. I think it's Saturday um, saying basically he wants uh, the, the GM to get fired. Like basically he's saying him or me, like he's fallen out with, with the GM. Good Kunst. Um, and that's it. Like he's not coming back. If, if that guy's still there, basically is what he's saying. And, and this is from someone in Rogers camp, according, according to Robinson. So um, we'll see. I mean, right now it's posturing, but you know, to me, I'm like, I kind of lean that he's not going to play. Like he's not going to play for the Packers anymore unless something major happens. Obviously, everything with the Deshaun Watson situation has completely changed, and I don't know if he ever plays in the NFL again. But before that happened, this was the trade. That was the the situation. Deshaun Watson was tweeting himself. That kind of made me believe because he was saying it from his own mouth or, you know, tweeting. If Aaron Rodgers starts kind of saying stuff about this, not through other sources, I'll believe it. But until he actually kind of puts it out there. I I I think that I'm going to lean it. But the second he says, yeah, no, I don't want to play, then I'll be like, wow. Okay. The But we have plenty of time to talk about that. <laughs> so that, it's not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. So let's stick yeah. to the draft for right now. I kind of want to just the smokescreen award for the 49ers actually not taking this Matt Jones. Great. So yeah. what do you make of the, the Niners draft? Obviously, we thought they take, might take Mac Jones. They take Trey Lance. I mean, what do you make of how they how they did this weekend? I mean, it's a good draft. I think they did a really good job. I'm, I'm a fan of what they did. Um, I still think so. Basically, number one, I think it it it, it gives for in my from my perspective, they they got a lot of goodwill by not taking Mac Jones. Like I was just a little bit worried that was going to be reality. I didn't think it was the smart move um, in a vacuum. Them taking Mac Jones at 12 would have been fine, but they gave two first round picks to trade up to third to number three. And then you take Mac Jones like to me, that sounded like lunacy. And so. The fact that they took Trey Lance earned me it earned me some confidence or they earned some some of my confidence, you know, based based on that. I think Trey Lance in, in his own right is is a risky pick. We've talked about this again ad nauseum, a very limited amount of attempts in his college career, a very limited amount of uh, games in his college career. He's hardly ever been from like playing from behind in his college career. All these things, massive, massive red flags, typically with any quarterback. However, in the Shanahan scheme with the Shanahan at, at, at offensive coordinator, I'm, I'm confident that he can coach him up, get him to a place where he's going to be a very good quarterback. I think he's a good runner, all that stuff. So end of the day, I like the pick. I, I think it's a good pick. And I think what they did later in the draft, I think is very you know smart. They got Aaron Banks from Notre Dame in the second round, um, you know, add to their offensive line. They got another guy, Jalen Moore, in the fifth round. Um, they added two really good running backs in my mind, uh, Trey Sermon in the third, who 
was very underrated coming into the draft, basically, because he kind of was like, he kicked around. He started at Oklahoma, ended up at Ohio State. Um, but I think he has potential to be very good. And then Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette, who's just really fast and like kind of fits the mold for the 49ers running backs. Um, overall, like to me, what they did was they built on their their philosophy, on their strength and their on their foundation. And they did exactly what I think a 49ers team would do. So I, I liked what they did. So the Niners say they're probably going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around. The reality yeah. is most first round quarterbacks play early now. This is not I mean, Mahomes yep. setting for a year is the exception. Most people now they play relatively early as a rookie. But Trey Lance is not most first round quarterbacks. So do you think that Trey Lance like do you think the Niners hold on to Jimmy G and Jimmy G's the starter in week one and we go from there? Or do you think that Trey Lance could play in the NFL in week one after playing one college football game last season? <laughs> Right. It's tough. I'd lean that they will do what they have been saying and 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 roll, roll with Garoppolo at least to start the season. If Garoppolo falters, if things start going poorly, that's when you make the change. Now, they are very good, obviously, at hiding their intentions because like I mean, Trey Lance was definitely in the conversation, but like we all thought it was going to be Mac Jones, or at least most of us thought that it was going to be Mac Jones, including myself. Um, and I ended up putting him in my mock draft, Mac Jones. And I'm, I'm really bummed about that because I was very much like open to the idea of Trey Lance. And I think, and I'm going to blame it on you. You kind of talked me out of it, but yeah, um, I did. You can blame that. That's on neither me. here nor there. Of it. <laughs> Look, I also gave you the Kentucky Derby winner. So like, you know what, whatever. Yeah. It's evens out. It evens out. Um, good call, by the way. That was awesome. I'm um, thrilled about it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean like, so again, it's very hard to predict what they're going to do. They obviously are very good at, at keeping things under tabs. And, and dude, do they do the uh, the Tyrion Lannister thing where they kind of like planted different information and different people to see what leaked or what? I don't, I don't know. What I don't know. There, that would be I'm <laughs> fascinated by that. Um, yeah. OK, so Jimmy G probably plays. So the other thing with like drafts is you look at drafts, just kind of pull up a draft from past years. And you always like look and you're like, how did this guy fall so far? Yeah. Who is the guy this year? that we will look back at and like, how the hell did this dude fall and like end up, you know, in the, in the second, fourth, whatever round. Yeah. So I, I would say there's two guys that really stood out to me as, is when we were out sitting there on day two and I was like, man, how has this guy not been chosen yet? The first is Jeremiah Usukormo from Notre Dame linebacker slash safety who ended up going 52nd overall to Cleveland. I had him number nine on my board. And I know that um, I wasn't alone in sort of my love for him as a player. I think he's he's like a, maybe a draft Twitter favorite or whatever, but super explosive guy, flies around, really, really fun to watch. But the, the question was always going to be, and, it had, and I was very aware of this, and, and I discussed this in the past, like his fit and, and finding a team that will know exactly what they want to do with him was going to be a big question mark. And it turned out to be a much bigger question mark than I could have even imagined. I thought maybe he'd fall towards the end of the first round or something, but he, he fell in all the way into the mid-second round. And so um, that was a big surprise, but it, I'm glad he landed in Cleveland. I, that was a team I'd connected to him before the draft, actually, I think at, at 26 or wherever they picked in the first round. Um, and so I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, the good defense gets a little bit better, but that one was really surprising, and, and, and I'll be very interested to see, like, how he's deployed, how they use him, if he ends up being as good as I thought he was going to be, as good as I think he's going to be. Um, but yeah, imagine in two years, if we look back and like, this guy's everywhere, he's flying around, he's making plays, blah, blah, blah. Like how the hell did he fall the second round? 
The second guy that I want to talk about, and he, he's been a favorite of mine in the pre-draft process, Terrace Marshall from LSU. Um, he ended up falling to 59, and he went to Carolina. And a couple guys, in fact, the Seahawks and the Rams passed up on him, which I thought was very surprising. They ended up taking uh, Dwayne Eskridge and Tutu Atwell instead. We'll talk about those guys later. I want to bring up them, them later. But um, he ended up yeah falling quite a bit. And, and I think it had to do with everything that we were hearing throughout this process was it was he, he was flagged for knee and ankle issues, I believe that like kind of go back to high school. So it was more of a medical thing than a talent thing, but I thought he had first round talent. And so he land, he, he lands with, with Joe Brady in Carolina, his old college offensive coordinator. And I think this is going to be so much fun. Well, not just any offensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator for the best offense in college football history, the LSU 2019 right. team. Right. He scored 13 touchdowns that year. And, you know, he, he got hurt partway through the season, but he was like a huge, huge part of that. And so I think they've got big plans for him there. I'm sure Brady, you know, knows how to use him, knows how to deploy him in that offense. I think this is going to be a much better offense. And, and hopefully that can be enough to, you know, sort of help Sam Darnold, you know, sort of save his career and keep his career going. So, yeah, so I thought I, I thought that one was surprising and, and a little bit of a bummer because I, I was just so high on him before. But I do believe it was mostly medical related. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that was a huge storyline coming in is like the teams were dissatisfied with the medical information and that a lot of the guys with medical issues that, you know, fell further than normal because they had incomplete information on them all. So <laughs> the Giants actually picked up a team like uh, a guy like that, too, Aziza Ajilari. <laughs> and I want to talk about the Giants. because yeah. I'm giving Dave Gettleman the award for the guy who didn't like didn't really drink in college. And then now is just like absolutely going nuts as an adult and he's just like going out <laughs> every week so and just like wow fun. drinking's great it's like trading down guys have you heard, like this is so sick Gettleman yeah Gettleman is the guy who tries weed when he's 30 years old and he's like music <laughs> is awesome um <laughs> anyway yeah no I think it's funny because yeah like we t we bullied him basically into trading down yeah he never traded down in his career and now he's just doing it every day how many, how many, do you know how many draft picks he made in this time? It was like eight years or something worth of draft picks. It's a ton of draft he, picks. He'd been in a gym since like 2011, 2012. Literally had never traded down, uh, rarely traded. <laughs> and uh, so they traded down in the first and picked up a f the Bears first next year, a third, a fourth. And then they traded down again in the second round. And then they got the player they're going to get anyway, which is Aziz Ojolari, which yeah. is like a really good pick. One of the best pick of the whole second round. And he fell because of knee issues, but he led the SEC in sacks. So amazing. He's really good. So, I mean, yeah. as a Giants fan, I'm pretty thrilled about this. Can you, like, just throw? Yeah. I'm not like Isaiah. So, I'm happy. I'm like, I would like you to keep me happy with these the Giants. Uh, this I'm not going to poo-poo. I'm not going to poo-poo it. I, I, Tony Tony wouldn't have been my first choice there, but I love what Kadarius they did. Tony. So they took the Florida receiver yeah. in the first round. Yeah, and I think he's a, he's a boomer bust, high upside, sort of maybe lower floor than you want type guy, but he's definitely a playmaker. You know, he's definitely exciting. He's explosive. And honestly, he's he's not like anybody they have in that offense. So it, it, I can talk myself into it. It makes sense. I already have. Um, and yeah. And so it's going to be fun to watch. But um, yeah, they traded down. They got a first round pick out of it. So now they have two firsts in 2022, which is huge. Uh, and then Ojulari, who I, he was my second ranked uh, pass rusher. Obviously, like you said, he fell because teams, I think, had flagged his knee as is pro yes. potentially problematic, like his durability, long term, all that. But he's, he's very 20 explosive. years old. He's 20. Yeah. So, I mean, hell of a draft. I'm going to pull up the, the the Giants draft here because I actually liked a lot of their picks. So I'm going to go through it here. Um, Aaron Robinson, 
very good pick, I thought, in the third round. Like he could come in there and he's play. almost twenty four though. Oh, that you're speaking my language. This is like the Seahawks draft. They trust they drafted two like old dudes. Like they had three picks and two of them were almost one of them was twenty four. Like, isn't it weird the Giants third 25. rounder is four years older than the second rounder? <laughs> it's just odd. That is kind of bizarre. So yeah. Um no, I love the draft. I thought they did a really good job. I mean, that's always been the thing, too, though. Like, Gettleman, like you've mentioned this, he's good at identifying talent. He just has no concept of value. No, and for he the does first not. time, he's Lucille Booth. He did both. He had, he yeah. identified value and, you know, he, he understood, or, and he, I think he picked good players. So, yeah, it was a good draft. So, the one thing I want to shout out Gettleman for, and there's so many things here, there's whether they will three years from now regret trading out of the Justin Fields pick. There's, you know, Kadaris, is Jason Garrett going to actually like get to, you know, do anything with this creative offense, Daniel Jones? But we have God. a lot of offseason talk about the Giants. The one thing I want to shout out Gettleman for is that he they have to make the playoffs this year. He will be fired like almost. It's really, so? really going to be hard for them to he, he they have to have a winning record. And a lot of times when you're a GM on the hot seat, those GMs in that situation start trading up and throwing money around free agency and they trade up and they're like, look, if I give away the future firsts and the team isn't good, I don't care. It's not my problem anymore. I will be fired. Dave Gettleman has done the opposite. Dave Gettleman has trading back and yeah. stashing yeah. assets into a draft that if this season doesn't go well, he might not even be the GM around to make these picks. So that is a stewardship of the franchise that I actually really appreciate because not every team always goes that way. Are we pro Gettleman? Are we turning pro Gettleman here? He... The bar, it's one of those situations where the bar was so low that now it's, it's kind of like a dog that just keeps pissing in the house and then like just has a great streak. And it's like, wow, like, hey, it's, it's like, it's kind of the bare minimum, yeah. but like, you know what? I'm back in. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to the head scratchers here. I think this is the, we don't pay attention to mock drafts award to the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh my gosh. They did it again. They, they did, did it, it again. again. Every first round pick they've had has been a reach. Has it not? Yes. And I, and I think it, it, I would be remiss not to say a perceived reach because obviously we don't know what what is on those teams draft boards. We don't know what information they're getting. But I think the important thing is they don't seem to care, really. I think Mayock even said something about this, like he doesn't really pay attention to mock drafts, like literally. And so maybe he doesn't have a good grasp on like where players are supposed to go or where they're going to go or Dude, if he wait, can trade back and still pick ridiculous. up a guy. Ridiculous. Okay. Dude, that's ridiculous. Here's the so the Raiders had this <laughs> passive aggressive ass tweet that was like mm. so Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network analyst, like shredded them on. I don't know if this was in response to him or someone else. The Raiders tweeted out, regardless of what any air quotes draft expert said, GM Mike Mayock and Coach Gruden saw a starting right tackle in Alex Leatherwood. Dude, can we talk about how Mike Mayock before he was the Raiders GM? did mock draft expertise that was his job and they're putting air quotes well we don't care what mock draft expert says mike Mayock, mike Mayock was a draft expert before daniel jeremiah was on nfl network mike Mayock had that job daniel jeremiah got it because mike Mayock left for the raiders how are the raiders making fun of this the irony is, I think D DJ was working for the Raiders probably when Mayock was doing NFL stuff. Dude, or no, for the like, Ravens, I should say. This is yeah. like if the Giants hired me and then I was in their front office and then next year you shredded the ring and, and, and I was like, well, I don't care what the Ringer NFL show people say. What do they know anyway? It's like, dude, you did that. That is what you were doing. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, that was funny. 
Hey, I will anyway, say though, like in defense of the Raiders, you know, they didn't do that. I don't think Mayock did that tweet. No, sorry. I, yeah, let me be a hundred percent clear that Mike Mayock did not tweet that. Like the Raiders' social media, like like Mike Mayock had nothing to yeah. do with that tweet. Although Mark Davis obviously had some really weird freaking tweets that he was dictating. We won't go into that. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, with regard to the Raiders, though, you know, they did. I think there was a pretty strong perceived reach on Leatherwood. However, they got Trevin Merrig in the second round, pick forty-two or forty-three, and that to me is a nice value, very nice value. Yeah. So in my mind, like, and honestly, people are saying this and it's very fascinating because I, I'm sure this has happened. This happened multiple times in this draft, probably. But like, literally, if the Raiders had just taken Trevin Merrick at 17 and then Leatherwood at 43, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. You know what I mean? It would be like, oh, that's maybe a bit high for, for Merrick, but I get it. Now, doesn't that speak to how weird this draft was and the lack of groupthink relative to other years? Because yeah. the Giants have the same thing where if they had taken Ojolari at 11 and Kadarius Tony in the second round, a lot of people w- would not have thought that was crazy. Just like Kadarius Tony, yeah. like, oh, a little bit of a reach in the first, good value in the second. It, it, it kind of speaks to how weird this draft was. You don't usually see that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it goes to, like we like you mentioned, the medical things definitely factor in. The lack oh, yeah. of groupthink and the lack of um, communication. Like, we don't, we're not going to the combine. We're not talking to everybody. We're not going to pro days and people are talking to everybody and getting a better consensus on where players are going to go. I came into the draft, you know, I did the top 100 and I was scouring mock drafts and things like that, trying to make sure I didn't have anybody outside of my top 100 that might go in the first round. And that's like, you know, that that would be a huge discrepancy, obviously, like, you know, having a guy that's not in my top 100 go in the first round. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't like missing anybody and and sort of, you know, trying to just do my double checks and things like that. And I ended up writing up a few guys extra just in case, like, you know, we had a surprise first rounder. But I think it was definitely one of those situations where we did not really know exactly what teams were going to do. And there was going to be I thought there would be a, a wild first rounder. There really wasn't a, a wild first no. rounder in my mind. I mean, Alex Leatherwood's good. I want to be clear about that. He's a good player. I was hoping the Giants would get him in the second. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's look at, so three quarter. there was like a little miniature run on quarterbacks. Kyle Trask, I think, was the last pick of the second round. And then uh, very quickly, then Kellen, uh, he went to the Bucks, And then Kellen Mond, the A&M quarterback, went to the Vikings. And then Davis Mills, the Stanford dude, went to Houston. Of So just a quick thing here. This is probably meaningless because... For all the talk about Russell Wilson, the reality is this is from Kevin Seifert, ESPN. Of the past 36 quarterbacks drafted, 36 quarterbacks drafted in the second and third rounds, only four made the Pro Bowl. So, like, the odds of these dudes contribute anything are pretty low. Having said that, which of these guys do you think has the best chance to not play, but, like, the best chance to be good? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think think both count. Like, you have to be able to play in order to be good. Um Fair. I think kind of if I look at this list, I'm not as high on Mond as a lot of people. I think a lot of people would probably say Mond and say he has the he has the most potential. He did start. I think he was a four year starter. He threw a whole bunch of passes in college. He has every record in he's, Texas A&M, like every single record. Total touchdowns. He's tied with Johnny Menzel, but he beat Menzel in like every other category. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of people would probably say Mond. But to me, when I watched him, I, I didn't think his accuracy was very good. And I didn't think he he just looked robotic a little bit to me, like. I don't know. He definitely has the tools, but I would be I think I would go out on limb here and say Davis Mills would have maybe the best chance. Number one, I think he's in the best situation. (laughs) And that's a that's a relative term because, you know, the Houston Texans are not a good situation right now to be. But 
it does sound like Deshaun Watson has played his last snap in, in Houston. And so they don't have yeah. a starting quarterback. Like Tyrod Taylor is the quote unquote starter until we find out anything else. And I think Davis Mills has, you know, decent tools at least to work with to develop. He's a former five-star guy. I, mean, I know that's like sort of a cliche now to talk about because like that's basically the reason he got drafted. But teams love that stuff. Teams love the pedigree. They love the the rankings and like what you were in high school. He was like this big-time high school recruit. Um, I believe he was the number one pro-style quarterback in the country when he came out. So I think there's there's something there. He only had 11 games in college. He only had 11 starts in college. You know, his numbers weren't great. But like there's a there's a a combination of like multiple tools there that I think you could work with. I So like I would say Mills, but like none of these guys to me, I'm very confident are going to do anything. Yeah, I think, I mean, Mills definitely has the best chance to like play this season, probably barring injury, but. um, Right, right. Something always happens to Terod Taylor anytime he gets a chance to start. I mean, in Browns, he was the starter God. ahead of Baker and then he got a concussion and then he was the starter for the Chargers. And then there was that like the doctor's pregame injection thing gone wrong and then herbert took over like so i feel like something always happens to the poor guy so i can see davis mills playing okay let's get away from the texans who are the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires go good teams (laughs) actually what super bowl contender improved the most this weekend so yeah that's a good question this one's interesting and i think so you you at the way that you framed it too is you said what super bowl contender improved the most and i would say the chiefs did and wow it's kind of it's kind of cheating a little bit because they traded their first round pick for a starting left tackle, which I don't think they, they did not think they were going to be able to get a guy like Orlando Brown at the end, at the back end of the first round. Um, in fact, actually, by the way, Leatherwood was a guy I'd been mocking to the chiefs a couple of times because mm. I thought maybe they'd grab him and, and have him plug him in at right tackle or left tackle or whatever. Um, but I mean, I look at their draft. It's not like super flashy, but I think it's just solid. They got, you know, if you count it this way, you got they got Orlando Brown. Uh, but if you even if you don't count that, I, st- I still think it was a pretty solid draft. They got Nick Bolton in the second. He's this rangy um, sort of instinctive downhill linebacker. They got Creed Humphrey at center, who I think will be what a name. Um, um, Unbelievable. Creed Humphrey. Name. Super athletic experience. I think he'll end up being a good long term starter for them at center. Um, they got an athletic tight end in Noah Gray. I actually and I and I like their receiver pick a lot. He was sort of one of my favorite sleepers coming in, and and um, I comped him to Sammy Watkins actually stylistically. Obviously, not the same type of prospect Sammy Watkins was coming into the NFL. More like who Sammy Watkins is now. But Cornell Powell from Clemson to me is a big physical guy. I mean, if you saw him at his pro day, he ran his forty and did all his drills without a shirt on. He looks like AJ Brown. Like he's huge and ripped. Um, athletic guy can win above the rim. Um, he, you know, he, he's a he was a former four star guy who basically didn't do jack shit until this last season. So he he there's analytically speaking, he's not good. He's not a strong prospect, but I thought he looked solid this past year. Um, word on, you know, word in scouting reports. I saw Dane Brugler talking about this from the athletic. He basically was very lauded for his change in in um, work ethic and the way he practiced and everything. He basically like turned a corner this last year. So there's this hope to me in my mind that maybe he was just immature or just not quite all there his first couple of years at Clemson. And he kind of figured it out and then, and he's an ascending type player. So he's, he's an interesting one to me in the fifth round. And then Trey Smith from Tennessee in the sixth round is like, he's a, a former five-star guy, big time recruit who went to Tennessee. Um, 
he had but he had blood clots in his lungs and and so there's a very scary medical condition that was a big part of the reason that he fell he did get cleared to play football again but i think teams you know obviously had that in mind he fell but he has a talent to be a starter so i look at that that haul that they got and, and i like it a lot and honestly the other thing is like it's just you know you look around at the other top teams i think in the nfl that w- that we'd say the top teams from last year and, and none of none of the teams really stand out to me on what they did in the draft so i think this is probably the best of the bunch i would i would say maybe you could throw in the packers you could throw in the bills but overall i think the chiefs did the best job i mean look at the end of the day patrick mahomes ran for his life in the super bowl and was Herculean and trying to do things alone, but the reality is he was pressured 29 times. I think that's the most on record in a Super Bowl. It was basically the best game, regular season or playoffs. It was the best, or sorry, the second best game for a four-man pass rush of the last 10 years by in terms of just how much pressure the Bucks got with four dudes. So if you're saying that they got Orlando Brown and this Jay Smith's dude in the sixth round and then maybe a starting center in the second round, I mean, I see what you're saying. A good role playing, a good role playing receiver who I think will probably contribute pretty early because like they don't have a deep receiver group right now. They need, so, a pre- yeah. I think it was yeah, a good draft. It's true. So I do want to ask you real quick about the Bills. Uh, I thought the Bills. I like yeah. what the Bills did. They don't have any needs, but they do need pass rusher. They get Greg Rousseau from Miami, who very limited sample size, but he dominated in that sample size. They get Carlos Basham Jr. Did you not like what the Bills did? No, I did like what they did. I, I didn't like dislike what they did. I just think. Um, yeah, I mean, they got two of my higher ranked edge rushers, and I think that's a obviously a, a very good job. Carlos Basham in the in the second round, sixty one, especially to me is a good pick. But I think overall, just like you know, they're picking at the end of every round. They got Spencer Brown, who's a very interesting developmental tackle. Um, but I'm not seeing like a ton of guys that are going to like come in and, and contribute from day one. I think Russo and Basham are good picks. And then Brown has the potential to be a good pick down the line. So it was like it wasn't like a bad draft necessarily like at all, but sort of just, you know, one of those like hit it down the fairway and, and feel good about it type. type Got to get on the fairway. I paid I played uh, I played golf with Kevin Clark the other day, and that was all that mattered. You gotta get <laughs> it on the fairway. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna give it some more awards here. Husband of the year, Matt Rule, Panthers. Okay. Did you see Matt Rule's wife, Julie, texts Matt Rule, please take Chuba Hubbard. And then 10 minutes later, they took really? Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State. Like, He's just you, like, I, okay. I can't believe that. <laughs> what? what? Why'd she do it? Well, first of all, why'd she like, do you know why she likes Hubbard? I don't. I have not spoken to her yet. So I, I, I don't know. Okay. okay. All right. Well, let me know if you talk to her. All right. Yeah. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. So Matt Rule, husband of the year. <laughs> Hubbard, by the way, that's. I like that pick though for them because that's like a good, backup know, good for backup Christian for McCaffrey. CMC. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, you, I mean, you need a good one. Okay, so DK, I yeah. want to know who won the draft. I'm going to throw out a couple uh, candidates, and then I want your candidates. Yeah. yeah, the guy who proposed to his girlfriend on stage. Oh, I did not see this. Did she see? Yeah, yes? Oh my! You've been so deep in the world. You haven't seen this. You're just great in draft, <laughs> no. dude. The Chiefs, like, fifth-round pick or whatever, this guy comes out and, like, is he, he announces the pick. It's one of those picks you liked for the Chiefs. And then he's like, to quote my favorite, our favorite, like, he quotes Deadpool, and it's like, you're you're my missing jigsaw piece and your curvy edges, like, complete me. And then gets on a knee and freaking proposes to his girlfriend. <laughs> I in definitely the stage. that. That's a great. 
I anyway, that guy is a candidate win. By the way, the stage, the stage at Cleveland. Just throw out. Let's throw out Cleveland as a winner because the oh, stage Cleveland area is a winner. Looked, that looked really beautiful. I've never been to Cleveland, but it looked. Beautiful it was there. a good stage. Yeah, right on the water. Cleveland rocks. The uh, the other guy went Cole Van Lannon. This is a sixth round pick for the Packers who is from Green Bay. Like the then there's only like there's like five guys in the league who are from Green Bay, which is a pretty big deal. I mean, Green Bay only has like like what is it hundred that like fewer than hundred thousand people, I think. But he yeah. got drafted to the Packers. He lives fifteen minutes from Lambeau Field. <laughs> the best part, though, the part that's hilarious is that he got the call from the GM, Brian, Brian Gutekunst, the guy that Aaron Rodgers wants to get fired. And it's a <laughs> not, it's like the yeah. 910 area code, which is like Green Bay. So this guy, Cole, the guy who's getting picked, he thought it was like a robocall. His iPhone said scam likely. <laughs> so he thought that he almost didn't answer it, but he's like, oh, whatever. I guess it's going to be like the, you know, oh, your lease on your car is expiring. And he picks it up and he's like, hey, you want to be a Green Bay Packer? I always thought this was. A, I, think that I, guy's I love a the stories of where guys are when they get drafted. Like how I was like, you know, on the pot or I was doing something or whatever. But I have a question: If they can't get a hold of the guy, does that mean they just go to their next one, or what do they do? They no, just they they just him? take the guy if they can't get him on the phone. That oh, who was the? Right. Oh my god, the the other story like that's so funny is Devin McCourty when the Patriots drafted Devin McCourty, he was like in the bathroom. So Jason McCourty just picked up and talked to Belichick. Pretended to be him. He just he's a twin brother. He just <laughs> pretended to hilarious. be Devin and talked to him. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Uh, okay. Great. Other winners. Aaron Rodgers at the Kentucky Derby. Just looked oh like he had God. a good time. Hell of a hat. Yeah, that was great. That was right. funny. There's some very good memes going around for that. Other than those, who do you think uh, are like some candidates for like who won the draft? So I wouldn't call these real winners necessarily. I got a couple here. Number one, content creators. Was this the most chaotic draft ever? I mean, I know that we haven't been covering the draft for as long as a lot of people, but I feel like the day of the draft was insane. There was Aaron Rodgers news. So Tim the, Tebow was in the news cycle. Like, I don't want to get hyperbolic. Last year was the most chaotic draft ever because it was on Zoom. And honestly, that was like the first yeah, mega yeah. event that was on Zoom, like post pandemic or during the pandemic. I think that this year was, I mean, there were eight quarterbacks taken in the first three rounds. I believe that's the most ever. It was 13, That's crazy. 14 offensive tackles in the first three rounds. So this was like among the most offensive drafts ever. But it did feel like the Rodgers news was the biggest day of NFL news. Somehow even bigger than Brady leaving because the Brady thing was the slow trickle. Also wasn't even the biggest sports news because like March Madness had been canceled. The Brady news, the timing of the Brady <laughs> shift was so strange that in an odd way, Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay suddenly felt like the biggest NFL news in years. Yes. I, all I know is by the time the draft started on Thursday afternoon, I was like exhausted. <laughs> and like the draft <laughs> was just started. It was. it was a crazy day. So it was like, what the hell? It was a weird day. The other the other winner I was going to throw out here, tiny human beings. Let's let's shouts to small people because <laughs> in the second round, Rondale Moore got picked by the Cardinals 49. He's five foot seven. He is like 190 pounds, so he's not small. He's he's short. So short people, I guess. But Tutu Atwell is tiny. He's 150 pounds. And he was picked in the second round also at, 40, at number 57 by the Rams, which I think is a very fascinating pick. And then obviously Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, yes, that's a great one. 170 pounds. He was a top 10 pick. 
And 100, no, he's probably more like 155. What, what what did he weigh? 155 pounds or something ridiculous? He, he's um, listed at 170, but he's actually 166. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Devontae Smith, I forgot about him. Big one. And then also Dwayne Eskridge for the Seahawks was a second round pick, 24, uh, 56th overall, I should say. And he's like, he's five foot eight, 190 pounds too. So I was just like, number one, like, it's kind of funny just because like, it's hard to imagine guys that size playing in the NFL. But it's also, I think, instructive of where the NFL is going, basically that, especially at the receiver position and maybe corner too, but size is not as big of a factor as it used to be. Like NFL had, was spending premium picks first pick top 10 pick on Devonte smith and then top 60 picks on these 155 pound receivers like tutu atwell five foot seven receiver rondell moore uh i think it's indicative of like where the nfl going is going basically space game um you know you're getting guys in space the, the hits are not nearly as big anymore you don't have to like be this big monstrosity to like take hits over the middle um i don't know i just thought that was interesting and, and i feel like we poo pooed this idea that these tiny receivers could get taken high. And if I was one of the people that was doing that, I thought Atwell would fall. I thought he'd probably be more like a fifth or sixth rounder. He was a second round pick. Same with Dwayne Eskridge. I, I was not very pleased when the Seahawks picked him because I thought he was going to fall much further than that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like, he's a small dude. And then obviously Rondale Moore, small guy. I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting. And, and maybe this is like a, a, a sea change in the way the NFL is like looking at receivers. It was a hell of a weekend. It was a hell of a draft. I still think the winner is the guy who proposed on stage. But you know what? Sh small people, short people, they can be winners too. Okay, there we go. <laughs> DK, thank you so much. I, uh, I one more thing, which is I want you to go to bed, my guy. Please yeah. get some sleep. Drink a beer. <laughs> Do that. Maybe like six. <laughs> thank you, DK. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our producers, Isaiah Blakely and Arjuna Ramgopal. Isaiah, maybe you'll get over the draft stuff soon. It's probably a good. You got Trevor Lawrence. Maybe don't complain, dude. All right. Thank you for <laughs> listening. <laughs> we'll be back at the regular NFL show next week. Thank you.